This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Series, Hands and Feet. It's all about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, it's part of the theme that we started last year, Living Inside Out. How many of you know what's inside of us eventually comes out? Regardless of how hard we try to hide it or fight it, what's inside of us eventually comes out. As Christians, the primary thing that should be coming forth from us is Jesus, right? We don't see it all the time, do we? But Jesus is inside of us, and that's what people should be seeing, his love, his integrity, his character, his compassion. The Bible says that through the surrendered life, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives, right? We know that a couple weeks ago, obviously we've had Easter and such, but um, but we know Pastor Bob started the first couple weeks of this series, started the first two weeks talking about how valuable people are to God. And I'm going to continue the next couple of weeks, uh, and then three weeks from today, we're going to have our Outreach Sunday, which, guys, is going to be awesome. We're going to do the blood drive. We're going to feature all the ministries that we support um, every month. As you guys, we've talked about before, this year we were able to increase our giving to these ministries monthly. We were able to increase it by a third this year for the first time. Awesome. Um, and after that, about the difference that that's making in people's lives. Um, um, and after that, after that um, Outreach Sunday, we're going to continue on with this series. So I've actually known this Sunday, I've actually known what direction I was going for months for this Sunday. And Friday, it changed on me. Um, I, I think, hopefully by next week, I'll be able to, to, uh, to continue on in what I was thinking. But I, I, believe that, um, this is, I believe this is the Lord's plan. And, you know, it's a good thing. I love when our plans are interrupted and God says, hey, let, let, hold on, let me take the reins here, let, you know, and, uh, and things go a little bit of a different direction. Um, so, like I say, things change a little bit, of, a little bit in, as far as direction goes, but we know that people are the, of the utmost importance to God, right? People, it's the most valuable thing to God. He loves every human being before they're ever conceived, before they ever enter their mother's womb. The Bible says it, doesn't it? A lot of Christians don't believe that today. That's what the Bible says. As followers of Jesus, we are to have his heart and his mission. So what was the heart? What was the mission of Jesus? His heart was pounding for people. It didn't matter their background. Didn't matter what they were guilty of. Didn't matter their skin color. Didn't matter their gender. He loved them. He met their needs. He made time for them. We see, talk about the mission of Jesus. It reminded me firstly of Luke 4, 18 and 19. Remember when Jesus uh, reads in the synagogue and he quotes from the book of Isaiah? What's he say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is what Jesus was anointed to do. Let's break that down for a second. To bring good news to the poor. Let me tell you, when we hear the word poor, we immediately think of somebody who doesn't have much money, doesn't have much as far as assets. And, you know, obviously that, there, that does mean, you know, that is poor. But what is good news to a poor person when we think of it in that light? Good news is you just won the lotto, right? <laughs> That'd be the good news to the person who doesn't have much. 
The good news is that there's hope. But let me tell you this. The original writing from Isaiah that Jesus was quoting from, the word poor was actually interpreted meek and poor in heart. It actually meant something a little different than we think. Yes, Jesus cares about the poor, like we tend to think of. When we, when we think of the poor and we think of somebody who can't pay their bills, somebody who can't eat, somebody standing on the street corner. But it also referred more so to poor in spirit. In other words, people who are spiritually dead. They hadn't yet been made a new creation by accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They hadn't surrendered their life to the Lamb. They haven't made him Lord of their life. So Jesus came to bring good news to those who are poor in spirit, poor in heart. He came to proclaim the captives will be released. Well, who is the captives? The captives are those who are dead in spirit, those who are dead in their hearts, those who haven't turned to them. They'll be released how? By accepting the sacrifice of Jesus as their perfect lamb to atone for their sins. He said he's here to proclaim that the blind will see, that those who have been in darkness will be able to come into the light, being brought out of darkness and into the light. He said that the oppressed will be set free, that freedom is available to all who call on the name of the Lord. No matter what they're dealing with, Jesus paid for our freedom from sickness, disease, from guilt, from shame, from mental impairments, from financial issues, from bondages, from strong and demonic strongholds. Freedom. You guys agree? Freedom is available. He said he's called to proclaim that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That man no longer has to be separated from God. That the heavens are now open. It gets me people who pray over and over again, Lord, open the heavens, Lord, open the heavens, Lord, open the heavens. The heavens are open. The price was paid. The Lord's favor has come. Yes, there can be strongholds over areas. I understand what you're saying. We come against those strongholds as believers using the authority in the name of Jesus, but the heavens are open to us. The price for judgment was paid in full. All who receive Jesus can come boldly to the Father before the throne of grace, right? This is what Jesus came to do. These were his goals when he walked the earth, and these are his goals today. Jesus isn't here in physical form, is he? Not generally. But according to the word, when you receive Christ, this is what you signed up for. When you receive Christ, you signed the sign-up sheet that you would take on this mission. Man, he got awfully quiet. For real. Come on, nod your head. At least tell me you know it's right, even if you don't like it. I mean, come on. This is what we signed up for, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to every person we come in contact with. So what does this look like? We'll talk more about that in a minute. When we think of this, we immediately think of evangelism. Evangelism makes most Christians shake in their boots. Why? It's because of preconceived notions, preconceived ideas. They think it means that they're either going to have to stand on a street corner or they're going to have to be banging on doors, or they're going to be living in a mud hut in Africa. <laughs> Isn't it true? Really, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, 
there are people who are called to those things. But the Bible tells us that we're all called to be witnesses of Jesus. The word witness, same connotation, right? Witness. Most Christians, it goes right along with the word evangelism. Guys, this isn't supposed to be something complicated and hard. It's not supposed to be something scary. Where do we get the word, the word witness? You know, if you look at it, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is about to send into heaven. He says, and you will be my witnesses, telling everyone in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice firstly, for followers of Jesus, that witness here, being a witness, it is a command and not an option. You will be my witnesses. You see it? He didn't say if you want to be, you can be. He says you will be. If you follow me, you will be my witness. Now, the word witness needs a little explanation. I was thinking about this. I'm talking right now about the word witness as a noun, not as something you do, something that you are. That makes sense? Then we got witness as a verb, as in something that you do. We use those interchangeably within the church. Right now, I'm talking about witness as a noun, something that you are. If you have proclaimed Jesus as Lord of your life, if he has saved you from your sins, you are his witness. You are. Regardless of what you do, you're his witness. The word witness, if you look it up, it testifies to what is seen or heard or experiences and verifies that it's true. Does that make sense? The word witness testifies to what is seen, heard, or experienced and verifies that it's true. So somebody in court who's called as a witness, sometimes they don't come willingly. Sometimes it's a subpoena, right? But they come in as a witness in court. They, says they have to swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. To help them, God, right? Now, we tend to think that for the disciples, this was easy. You know, they had, they had walked and talked with Jesus physically. They were able to see and touch and feel him, right? If we look real, real quick in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4, this is, this is kind of the preface, the beginning of the book of Luke. It says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness report circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theopolis, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Now, who was Luke written by? (laughs) Y'all are brilliant. Luke was written by Luke. Here's... The tricky part, most Christians today think Luke was a disciple of Jesus. Luke wasn't a disciple of Jesus. Who are the disciples of Jesus? Well, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, Luke wasn't a disciple. Most agree today that Luke um, was a physician and that he was companion of the apostle Paul. And he went around getting eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus so that he could compile them in this book. So he went around to people who had experienced Jesus, who had interacted with Jesus. He knew the apostles, he knew the disciples. He went around getting their accounts so that he could write this down, uh, so that it could be gathered 
as a book of the witnesses who interacted with Jesus. You can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Are we on the same thing? Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I lost my place. Anyway, so here's the reality. If you profess Jesus to be Lord of your life, if you've surrendered to him, then you are witness to Jesus and his saving grace. You're witness to it. So as a witness, it's funny, you ask most Christians today, what has God done for you? Oh, he died for my sins. Okay, well, yeah, you witnessed something there, I guess, <laughs> right? But we get confused in this. We don't understand. We don't understand the reality of things. We are witnesses to the saving grace of Jesus. We are just as much a witness of Jesus as the disciples were 2,000 years ago. You understand that? We may not physically, usually, physically see Jesus. We can't generally touch him. But I hope you're having ongoing discussions with him. I hope that you can see him moving and working in your life if you claim to have a relationship with him. It's a relationship with him just like the disciples had. We are all witnesses. Somebody in here say, I'm a witness. Everyone who truly is a Christian is a witness. So Jesus said that you would know a witness when you first met him without him ever saying a word. You would know his followers, right? There are things about followers of Jesus, there's things about these witnesses that are going to stand out. Things that would be good, things that would be different, things that would be attractive. These uncommon qualities would get the attention of the world. So, what are the signs of a witness? If you do have your service guide, you may notice there's a note sheet in there. I see some of you writing on yours. Uh, you're going to have, a, 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 I think there's three blanks. So I'm going to give you three things, three things that are signs of a witness this morning. And I want you guys to take a look at for just a minute. Signs of a witness. Number one, an uncommon love for others. An uncommon love for others. Where do I get this from? Well, a bunch of places, actually. I had to cut a bunch of uh, scriptures out. I even had to cut a bunch of them out from your note sheet. I got a bunch, but bear with me this morning. John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this all will know that you are my disciples. Who in here is a disciple? We got a lot of people need to receive Jesus. If you don't have your hand raised. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, so sign of a disciple is love. Well, firstly, you may think, well, that sounds kind of weird because a lot of people who aren't followers of Jesus love, right? They love their spouse. They love their kids. They love their dog. They love chocolate, right? They love. Love in and of itself is not uncommon, right? However, this is a different kind, this is a different kind of love. We're talking about a different love than what we see displayed in the world around us. This isn't an ordinary love. What kind of love are we talking about? We're talking about the kind of love that Jesus displayed. Because if you remember, we are crucified with Christ, right? 
It's no longer we who live, but Jesus who lives. So the love of Jesus should be what comes out of us. And the love of Jesus was an uncommon, is an uncommon love. What does the Bible say about this uncommon love? I'm going to just hit you with some scriptures real quick. Psalm 36, 5. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. We see in this that it goes on and on and on and on and on. And we see that it never, ever fails. 1 John 3, 1. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Guys, we didn't deserve it, but he lavished his love on us and he called us his very own. Not many people would do that today. John 15, 13. Greater love is no one than this and someone lay down his life for his friends. God puts his kind of love, he puts his kind of love first before others to this place of self-sacrifice. That's pretty uncommon today, isn't it? Most people just care about me, myself, and I. Luke 17, 4. No matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you and says, I'm sorry, I'm changing, forgive me, you need to forgive him each and every time. It's not common, is it? Not common. What is love? What is love? What is love? 1 Corinthians 13. We know this as the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. There is one fruit. The fruit is love. Everything else comes out of it. I'm going to read it to you differently today, though. What kind of love comes forth from someone who is a witness of the saving grace of Jesus? And this is from the Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love doesn't brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated and quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. How awesome is that? Guys, the first step to witnessing, the verb, is to be a witness. First way to be a witness is to walk out an uncommon love. It will get the attention of others for God, and it will display his glory. His love should be on full display everywhere that we go. We are witnesses of Jesus. So what am I talking about? Folks, people are watching you. If you claim to be a believer, they're looking for the difference. They're looking at the way you interact with your spouse. They're looking at the way you treat your children. They're looking to see if you're self-centered or if you're putting other people first. They'll see if you're serving others without other ever respecting anything in return. They'll be looking to see if you're being patient with others and not losing your cool. They're certainly looking to see if you offer forgiveness when others do you wrong, even if they're your enemy. They're seeing if we contribute to maybe the office gossip and strife, bad-mouthing. They're looking to see if we use wisdom 
in regard to knowing when to speak and when not to speak. They see whether we treat people with honor and dignity and respect. They look to see if we actually make time for them and look them in the eyes and love them or not. It's an uncommon love. How many of you in here would, today would say that you live a pretty busy life? Come on. Because <laughs> we've got to make time for other people. We've got to allow God to interrupt our schedule. Talking about Pastor Ray and, I was, Pastor, Ray and Pastor Troy and I were at lunch. We were at, um, where were we the other day? Hunan. We were over at Hunan. And um, we're sitting there and we start talking about some things that we were wanting to do and things that are coming up and whatever else. And we see this guy over there next to us and something's going on with him and, and look over at him and he said, are you guys Christians? And I said, well, yes, sir. Yes, sir, we are. And all of a sudden, he starts telling us about what's going on in his life and about his sister that's in, the, that's in bad condition and at the med. You know, many times, unfortunately, in those kind of moments, the first thing that pops into your head is, man, I'm running late, which I totally was. I just told, told uh, Ray and Troy, I'd said, I said, guys, i got to be somewhere. i got less than an hour. I'm sorry. We're going to have to hurry. And I just heard that. And what happens? Here's somebody right here who's hurt and struggling. So we all immediately got out of our seats and went over there with the restaurant packed. 12 p.m. on a weekday afternoon, and we joined hands with this guy, and we prayed over him, right? We've got to make time for others. It's an uncommon love. This kind of love is not common. As a matter of fact, sometimes people in our society are proud of their lack of love. How many of you ever heard, or you may have said it yourself, don't admit it. How many of you have ever said, you know what? That person totally did me wrong. I can't believe I heard that they said this, this, and this about me. But you know what? Next time I saw them, I told them off. <laughs> and we're just proud and grinning and whatever else. We should be ashamed because we're not walking in the uncommon love. And we blew our witness in one second. And they're never going to hear one word we have to say about Jesus. It's over. But I had a right. And you blew your witness over what you called to be right. Blew it. Blew it. Where was that? <laughs> the mark of a witness is love. This type of love is not common. But it's the same kind of love that was shown to us. We have a responsibility to love others the same. By the way, 1 John 4, 8 says, The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love, so you can't know him if you don't love. If you claim to be a believer and you come to church every Sunday and nobody can see any love coming forth from you, I'd ask you to repent today to make things right with the Lord. Because God comes in and he turns your world upside down and he changes your heart. Not that you don't have progress to make. But if there's no love in you, it says here you don't know him. If the world doesn't see anything different in us, then why in the world would they want Jesus? Number two, we had uncommon love. Number two, an uncommon integrity. Uncommon integrity. The word integrity comes from a root word. What's the root word? the root word integer, which means whole, right? We think of math, a whole number, an integer. 
in Latin, the word integrity means wholeness of being, a whole person. Does this make sense? So just like we would talk about a whole number, you talk about a person who is whole and undivided. A person of integrity is living rightly, not divided, nor being somebody different in different circumstances. A person of integrity is the same person in private as they are in public. I heard a quote the other day. said, God isn't looking for an incredible person to use for his purpose, purposes. He's looking for a credible person. A lack of integrity in the body of Christ, especially, I believe, in the church of the United States, has caused much harm. It's been devastating, I believe, to our nation. Many times it's destroyed the Christian witness. And I believe there are many people who have been lost forever because they didn't see any integrity in the body of Christ. And those who were calling them to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus, they didn't see any integrity. They didn't see any difference. And I believe there have been many that have been lost forever. Being a person of integrity and character is non-negotiable for the believer. Of all the areas to let slide in your life, love and integrity as a believer are not the two. It'll ruin your witness. When it comes to the things you say about God, it'll mean nothing if you don't have love and you don't have integrity. What are some of the traits of integrity? I gotta move fast. Some of the traits of integrity. Number one, how about just being honest? When a person finds out you lied or even bent the truth, they're not ever going to fully trust anything you say. So how about when you get to the really important thing, like the saving grace of Jesus? Mm. Guys, we love to bend things. We love to exaggerate things. You know, the other day, I even, we waited all week on a package to arrive. It was ridiculous. We'll be there Monday. It had to be delivered on a truck. Well, oh, sorry, it'll be there Tuesday on Tuesday night. It'll be there Wednesday all the way up till Friday. On Friday, or on Thursday night, I called, and I'm having a little bit of an intense, you know, discussion with somebody. And guy says, okay, they told me that it's loaded on the truck, and it'll be there at noon tomorrow on Friday, two days ago. I said, neither me or my wife are home. We're not going to be there at noon to receive this thing. We were there all honking week. We're not there tomorrow at noon. Well, is nobody home? I said, I said, well, our, our daughter, teenage daughter, he goes, yeah, just have her sign for it. I said, you just told me they have to be, she has to be 18 years old. He goes, is she not? I said, well, she's 17. He goes, ah, just have her tell them that she's 18. <laughs> Guys, come on. Come on. There are some of you out there right now that are going, she's 18 in June. Come on. But she's mature. But Madison could sign for this. What's the big deal? The big deal is I'm not going to tell my daughter to lie. I'm not going to do it. Some of you are saying, it's just a little, it's just a little thing. It's just a, nobody's going to care. They're not going to ask for ID. They're not, I'm not going to tell my daughter to lie. Not going to do it. Does the word say what it does or not? Does it or not? Let's stop saying but and quit making excuses. And actually be who Jesus has called us to be. Whew, sorry. Two, lying lips are an abomination to God. 
but those who deal truthfully are delight. Proverbs 4, 25 and 27. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Let your ways be sure. Don't swerve to the left or the right. Turn your foot away from evil. Proverbs 21, 3. Clean living before God and justice with our neighbors means far more to God than religious performance. 2 Corinthians 8, 21. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want to be honorable to everyone else to see that we are honorable. This is about being a witness. Other examples, I was just looking, Matthew 5, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Be a person of integrity. How about being on time and working hard? How about being faithful and loyal almost to a fault? Being moral, upright, and righteous. People should know when they look at you and you're, uh, you're you have a decision in front of you. They should know that you're going to make the righteous, the right and righteous decision. Don't always do the bare minimum. Go the extra mile. Do what God's word says. Guys, we got to quit going around as a follower of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are what? Witnesses. We can't go around as witnesses of Jesus telling little white lies. Shacking up with people we aren't married to. Speaking blessings instead of cursing. Cheating on our taxes. Telling our kids to tell the person on the phone that we're not home. It destroys your witness and gives the beautiful body of Christ a black eye. We're witnesses to the saving grace of the Savior of the world. Guys, I'm not trying to bring condemnation. We all have areas we got to work on, right? But let me say this. If you're dealing with a habitual sin or there's sin in your life that you refuse to deal with, you can do more harm than good by going around and claiming the name of Jesus on everything. You're a witness. Here's what King David said. I read this this week. Some of y'all know reading the Bible through in the year I I posted this. Psalm 69 verses 5 and 6. Oh God, you know how foolish I am. How many of you in here are foolish sometimes? First one, I'm at two hands in the air. God, you know how foolish I am, but my sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me, O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. Don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel. Guys, how many high-profile Christians have been caught in situations that displayed a great lack of integrity? And it's brought humiliation to the body of Christ. Let me ask you, do you lack integrity in your life? Are you always struggling to maintain Christian character and integrity? We got to do what is right. We have to walk in integrity and in character and in honor. Again, if the world sees nothing different in us, why in the world would they want Jesus? Last one, number three. We had an uncommon love and uncommon integrity. And number three, an uncommon peace. An uncommon peace. I read a story the other day. It said there was once a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures, all the paintings, but there were only two that he really liked, and he had to choose between them. One picture of peace was of a calm lake. The lake was like a mirror uh, for peaceful towering mountains that were all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. All who saw this picture thought it was the perfect picture of peace. The other picture had mountains too, but they were rugged, jagged, and bare. 
Above it was an angry sky from which rain fell and lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming, angry waterfall. This didn't look peaceful at all. But when the king looked closer, he saw that there, in the midst of the rushing, angry water, sat the mother of a bird on her nest in a bush in perfect peace. The king chose the second picture. Do you know why? Because, explained the king, peace does not mean that there is mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means that in the midst of all those things, there can still be calm in your heart. When we look with our natural eyes and we hear with our natural ears our society today, there doesn't seem to be much peace. Conflict and division seem to rule everywhere. Everyone seems to be worked up and angry depending on the circumstances, depending on what the news said today. As witnesses of the saving grace of Jesus, we can walk in peace in every situation. It all comes down to trusting God. Do we trust him? Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know what I'm doing. How many of you think maybe God knows what he's doing? If he knows what he's doing, what are we so worked up about? He says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. If we believe that, <laughs> I think things would be a lot different. In Isaiah 26.3, he says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When we can't find peace, usually it's because our mind has gotten too involved. Usually it's because our flesh has gotten in the way. How do we fix that? Well, Romans 12.2 tells us that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of God. What are you filling yourself with? There are people today... Y'all know this. There are people today that are going to counseling sessions just because of what they see going on in our nation, our government. I got to go to counseling. Got to go to counseling. They're watching the news every day and going to counseling. I got an idea. Why don't we get some counsel with the one person who can actually make a difference? Why don't we get counsel from the one person here who says, I actually know what I'm doing? Watching too much news, thinking too much. They need to fill themselves with God's word rather than everybody's opinion of what's going on in the world. I started thinking about in the Bible examples. Think of Paul and Silas, beat relentlessly, sitting in a prison. I can't even imagine they knew if they were going to be alive tomorrow. Locked up in shackles in the bottom of a prison. And they wake everybody up because they're singing their praises and worship to the Lord. I was thinking of Peter, sitting in prison, waiting to be executed. God sends an angel to break him out, right? Peter was fast asleep. It took the angel, angel said, striking him to wake him up. He's going to be executed at sunrise. Angel had to strike him. Hey, it's like us trying to get our sun up sometimes. <laughs> Boy, I used to be too. Think of Jesus and his disciples on a boat in a storm and they're running over trying to wake him up because he's sleeping soundly. Think of all the Christians we read about who while being fed alive to lions by Nero were singing praises to God in the Colosseum. It reminded me of 
a girl you guys may remember named Rachel Scott, who was 17 years old. Columbine High School, she'd been shot in the chest and the arm and the leg as those gunmen walked up to her. And all the reports say that they walked up and they asked her if she believed Jesus, if Jesus was her Lord. Man, most people wouldn't have even been able to answer in that moment. She's been shot in the chest and the arm and the leg. All the reports say that she confidently said yes and took a bullet to her temple. To me, that's peace. As witnesses of Jesus, we should learn to trust God in the midst of storms and find our calm in him. Guys, God doesn't promise to rescue us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you rescue me and snatch me out. You don't say, we're going through a little bit of a rough patch. Things don't seem to be going our way in a moment. God, I know you're about to deliver me. Come on, Lord, where are you at? Come on, Lord, deliver me, save me. And God's going, I'm right here. I got you by the hand. Let's go. Let's walk. You got it. You can have peace in me. You can have calm. Come on. And we're standing there still going, God, deliver me. Save me. Snatch me out. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. He's saying, step after step. Come on. Put your one foot in front of another. Let's go. I got this with you. Where am I at? When everybody else is worked up and upset, we should be able to keep calm and point to Jesus. When we're falsely accused, when we're treated disrespectfully, we should be able to trust God, not repaying evil with evil, but allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. This is being a witness of the saving grace of Jesus. If we walk in an uncommon peace, people will take notice. As they're all freaking out, and we're calm and quietly praying, they're going to take notice. They're going to watch. Why? Because most people are searching for peace. They just want all the noise to go away. They want things to calm down. Hey, guys, we got the Prince of Peace living within us. He's living his life out through us in the earth today. We are his living body. Can you imagine the moment the disciples were there and Jesus was about to ascend into heaven? He commissions them to go do this great work. By the way, most of you will be persecuted and probably die for this. But go do this great work for me. Well, that's why he ends it with, and lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age, right? He says, you've got peace. You've got me. You can trust me. He is with us. Even to the end of our age, our age, we can be sure that he's always there. Even we don't acknowledge his presence, he's there. Regardless of what happens, when we lose a child, he's there. When our politicians are being stupid, he's there, and we can have peace. When our family disowns us, when we lose our job, we don't know how we're going to pay the bills, and we're at the end of our rope, he's with us. As witnesses of the unsaving grace of Jesus... We need three things, an uncommon love, an uncommon integrity, and an uncommon peace. If these things are part of our everyday life, the world will take notice. That's why nobody's taking notice of the church today. Church gets overlooked all the time because we need that, that uncommon love and integrity 
and peace of Jesus. Jesus said that you'll know his followers by their fruit. What does this mean? It means if Jesus is your Lord, people should recognize that something's different about you. Through your actions, your reactions, by things that come out of your mouth, by your integrity, by your honesty, because you're quick to forgive, these things aren't common. But it should be common to Christ followers. It should be common to people who have witnessed Jesus. Now, how many of you know that today, every day, people witness events of all kind? We see things. That's why we watch the news and we, there's always cell phone footage just put up. People are witnessing different events that are going on. But when people come to them, say that the officers come to a scene and they go to talk to somebody who witnessed what was going on. More often than not today, people say, I ain't seen nothing. I ain't getting involved. I don't know a thing, right? As Christians, we don't have that right. It's not what we signed up for when we surrendered our life to him. It's no longer we who live, but Jesus who lives through us. If we claim to be believers, people are watching. They're waiting to see what we'll do. They're waiting to see what we'll say. They're waiting to see how we'll react. Let me end with this. I, I haven't wanted to come across in condemnation in any way. And there may be some of you that are saying, how in the world am I supposed to do all this perfectly? You're not. You're going to jack it up probably every day. But you know the, another mark of a witness of Jesus? They're quick to repent. They're quick to ask forgiveness. And not just that, they're quick to make things right. This is uncommon as well. People only want to defend themselves and make excuses today. As a follower of Christ, we've got to be humble and meek in heart. Amen? This is the beginning, the first steps in being the hands and feet of Jesus. We are his body in the earth today. Amen? This is what we see in him. This is what needs to be coming out of us. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. If you guys would, bow your heads with me. I'm going to ask the question a little differently today. Every head bowed. If you're here and you recognize that uncommon love is not generally what comes forth from common integrity isn't easily found in your life. That uncommon peace, it's something that you're searching for. If that's you, I'm going to ask you again to surrender your life afresh and anew to Jesus today. That you could truly be his hands and feet. That you could be his body. That you could be used to touch others exactly the same way that Jesus did. If that's you and you're here today with every head bowed, if that's you and you're here and you say, you know what? I don't see all those things present in my life. I'm struggling. I need to dedicate my heart fresh and new today to Jesus. If that's you, lift up your hand. Let me see. Who would say I need to surrender my life to Jesus today? Who would say I need to make a change? Anybody here? All right. Anybody else? 
okay. We're going to pray this prayer together. And guys, this is the point. This is the moment. This is the pivotal moment of your life. Right now, I want you to set your heart, set your mind, set your will. That you're giving up everything that you are. You're allowing yourself to be crucified. Picture it in your mind. Yourself crucified next to Jesus. And this new life that you're about to walk out. It's Jesus walking through you. Doing the same works and more than we read about in the New Testament. You got to completely surrender. You got to let it go. Got to let the past be the past. Got to give it all up. People say it's easy. All you got to do. No, no, it's not easy. You're giving up everything. It's all in. It's all or nothing. Are you ready to give it all? And say, Jesus, I'm running hard after you. I'm following your footsteps. I'm going to be your hands and feet. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Because without him, I'm a failure. I'm an utter failure. I can't do this on my own. I sin. I'm riddled with guilt and shame. I can't do it in my own strength. I failed you over and over again. But today, I recognize Jesus as my perfect lamb. He willingly sacrificed himself in my place. He took my punishment. He took everything I deserved and took it upon himself that I could be free so that I could be saved, so that I could have a relationship with the Father. So today, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything. I hold nothing back. I will follow you always. I declare that you are Lord and that you're master. You're the one in charge. I get myself out of the way and I let you take the lead. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me your empowerment to do what I've said I'll do, to be who you say I am from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, before we go, I want to sing one more worship song together. And I'm going to ask our prayer partners, I'm going to ask them now. They're going to kind of come down to the sides. And let me say this. If you you feel conviction in your heart, now that may be everybody. But if the Holy Spirit is really, I mean, just pounding in your heart and you feel it and you're saying, man, I have, as a witness of Jesus, I have got to do things differently. I've got to recognize who I am. I've got to get some things in order. I've got to shore things up. Things can't go on the same way they've been going. I've, I've got to do this. I know who God says I am. Now I've got to show it and I've got to walk it out. If that's you and you just feel that conviction, I encourage you as we sing or even as we dismiss to come down and let one of these people stand. Let them agree with you. Let them pray with you and give you some direction. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you are at wit's end like we were talking about. Maybe you need that peace. Let somebody stand and agree with you as we worship together. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone 
at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.